Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. The fight is growing. E equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure, and I'm joined by good friend and radio personality, Mr. Len Novin. Len, what's up, buddy? Hey, doing well. Back on the microphone with you. Thank you for having me once again. Yeah, you know, I always, uh, <laughs> I like I like bringing your, you know, your spin, your take on, on things to the, to the interviews, and uh, I think that, you know, having that uh, extra layer uh, brings some additional value to the listeners. Yeah, I'm really excited about today because everything we you and I chat about, which I think is really wonderful, actually impacts so many of our contemporaries around us. And especially today, talking this time of year with allergies. Springtime. Everybody I know is sneezing and and having to deal with this. And it's time to really diagnose, is it an allergy? Is it a virus? What do we have around us this time of year? Because it gets camouflaged, really. Last week, for a perfect example, I wake up on Monday morning, you know, I got a great night's sleep uh but i woke up and I, I had like a sinus headache and some chest congestion and i'm like thinking to myself am i getting sick what's going on with me you know so i decided all right let me take some sudafed right that always usually helps with the sinus stuff sure and bam cleared up good to go no problem and so that's where i realized last week i was dealing with some allergy stuff and uh went and got my uh my allegra from walgreens and uh i've been much better and so that's definitely been helpful. But yeah, man, it's just so difficult, especially when you have children. Right. You know, it's hard it, to mask. Yeah, it. you don't know. And especially the smaller kids, we were kind of talking about that. Well, and this is where it gets tricky for me. This is where it masks itself, like I was saying, because three weeks ago, uh, my wife, Michelle, the lovely Michelle, has allergies and she's sneezing and, and the whole bit. So I thought, oh my goodness, I'm getting allergies too. I found out I had a viral. All of a sudden I had a fever and it was. I thought it was allergies. So there's a lot of confusion. Yours was like the opposite of mine. I did a 180. I did the <laughs> exact opposite direction and then that was the problem with it is and this is why i'm so excited about this interview is the fact that it's trying to define what it is and it's very confusing this time of year because i had a viral my wife had the allergies my sister has allergies my daughter i think has allergies but we don't know thank goodness we have a doctor on this morning i know if you're worried that your child might be showing allergy symptoms like coughing wheezing shortness of breath or chest pain then you probably have a reason to be concerned. Uh, studies show that more than four, uh, 5.9 million children in the United States suffer from allergies, and the number is on the rise in all age categories. And so today we're going to talk to Dr. Porvi Parikh, uh, who is an adult and pediatric allergist and immunologist with Allergy and Asthma Network. Dr. Parikh, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, we really appreciate you taking time. I know all of you doctors are super busy, uh, and I'm sure you are, especially this time of year, uh, as you are, right. an, are an allergist and uh, you're probably treating lots of cases. Yes, yeah, this is this is definitely one of our busiest times of year, spring and fall as well. Before we get into talking about allergies and you know how to diagnose those, 
items. Let's let's take a few steps backwards and let's find out about Dr. Parikh and how you found your frequency. What was that moment where you decided, you know what? I'm going to become an immunologist and allergist. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to help people. And this is what I'm going to do. Uh, right. So, I mean, I, I always had an interest uh, in the medical field and in, in medicine in general, uh, but I wasn't sure, you know, which specialty was right for me. And, and in, in medicine, at least if you're interested in it, so many specialties um, can be very, very interesting. There's so many ways that you can help people and it's quite rewarding. But the unique thing that drew me to kind of allergy and immunology is is twofold. Um, one, you know, the allergy side of it, uh, allergies are continuing to be on the rise and they're getting uh, more and more severe. So as uh, an entity, it's something that affects quite a few people. So, so that, you know, I found it could be a good way to reach a lot of people, help a lot of people. And it, it's interesting in that you're kind of like the detective um, in the story because often people will come to you with uh, various reactions from mild to very, very severe. And, you know, it's kind of up to you to piece it together. And often they've been frustrated. They've gone multiple places first. And, um, you know, and you can really help uh, relieve their suffering and and make people feel better fairly quickly. Um, And then the same goes, you know, for the immunology side of it. Most people don't realize this, but allergists not only treat allergies and asthma, which are very common, but we also treat uh, immune deficiencies. So those are people born without functioning immune systems. Um, and, you know, those, those patients also, um, many of them, they say, have an average of a decade delay in their diagnosis just because many um, of the medical community don't know that much about this entity. And we're only just recently learning so much about the immune system in the last 40, 50 years. So I mean, a lot of these patients, you know, have gone place to place getting quite sick. Um, and, you know, it's very rewarding to kind of be the person to help piece that together. Um, and, and now we're using immunology in almost every medical field. You know, cardiologists are using it to treat cholesterol. Um, cancer doctors are using it to uh, treat cancer, hopefully even move towards a cure one day. So, so that's why I, I found this field so interesting and exciting for me personally. Doctor, out of curiosity, because my sister is an ear doctor. Of course, I'm, I'm the on-air mm-hmm. personality. I played guitar. I played loud things growing up and my sister offset me being an ear doctor it's it's a perfect combination she had a backstory because (laughs) when she was when she was young uh, she had Mm -hmm. uh, hearing issues she had to deal with so she gravitated towards this did you in your when you were finding your frequency to help people with allergies did you suffer Mm -hmm. allergies by chance because i've noticed there's a lot of connection a lot of time with people in life experiences or did you have family members or friends Uh, did did something did something uh, magnetically pull you to the allergies yeah that's a great question so i i personally don't have terrible like i have mild allergies luckily um you know but i i don't have any severe allergies um but you know i had kind of exposure to certain patients within that field Mm -hmm. as uh, one of the first few patients that i came into contact with when i was starting my residency and specifically with that rare entity in in immunology and immune deficiency uh that was like one of the first patients i took care of as an intern and and it was very interesting to me because it was something that I'd never heard of. And even most of the senior doctors were scrambling to kind of 
for guidance on what to do with that specific patient who whose immune system wasn't working well. And, and then I saw that that patient's allergist come in and see the patient every day and, and give feedback on what to do and advise them. So, so I think those experiences kind of um, led me down that path, you know, but luckily I, I am, I not a very severe allergy sufferer or asthmatic um, person, but um you know, that's kind of how I got there. Yeah, and I, I wish I could say the same about not being uh, uh, or just being a kind of a mild allergy sufferer. Uh, a story, I'll tell you how bad my allergies are. They're better now that I'm older, kind of grew out of it. But uh, I remember being in first, for either first or second grade and uh, Bermuda grass is huge here in Phoenix, right? Yeah. Growing up in the very early 80s, Bermuda grass was just everywhere. I go, right, I, right. Go, I go to school. We have our first... Uh, it's like the first kind of bit into spring as things are starting to bloom. We go out and do recess and I'm out there playing around in soccer and we're rolling around in the grass and having a good old time. And of course, what's the first thing that little kids do when they're out and about? They touch their face, right? My daughter does it all mm-hmm. the time. I don't know what it is, why kids just decide they have to always touch their face. Well, I did that, uh, you know, first or second <laughs> grade. Can't remember what it is. Went to class. My teacher says, Ryan, are you Okay. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Why? She's like, you should go to the nurse's office. And I'm like, okay, I'll go to the nurse's office. I go to the nurse's office. They proceed to call my mother and have my mom come down. (laughs) My face was so swollen. My eyes were almost closed. Oh, my goodness. Due due to my severe (laughs) allergy of Bermuda grass. Uh, And so I had to get uh, I had to go to the doctor and get all that stuff worked out. And ever since then I've been very uh, very apprehensive about like wading around in certain types of grasses and such because I do have that reaction uh, and now I'm a soccer coach and I'm in the grass three times a week uh, with, the, with the kids uh, but I, and I don't have that problem and so that leads me to kind of my question is when you when you start off addressing a, a young child that does have allergies you know how, what are the signs that they're allergies what are the signs are they asthma or what are the signs that mm-hmm. there may be some um you know immunotherapy or something like that with the with with them that may need some help right right that's a very good question so you know it's, it's a very broad range and it's a, a spectrum right so very common um, symptoms of allergies are you know itchy watery eyes uh, you can have a stuffy nose or even the opposite, a very runny nose. Um, and then, you know, you can also have um, symptoms on your skin. So a lot of kids will get rashes, like either what we call either eczema or hives. Um, and then that's what asthma, my face did. that, that actually is very important. <laughs> Sorry? I said, that's what my face did for the Bermuda grass. It went hive. Oh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the asthma point that you bring up is very uh, important because a lot of times people don't realize, especially if they've never had it before, that they're experiencing asthma symptoms. And this actually can be dangerous if you don't recognize those symptoms. So the most common asthma symptom is coughing uh, in both children and adults. And people don't realize that coughing is actually a sign of asthma. Uh, and then things like wheezing, shortness of breath, chest pain. And, and the reason why you shouldn't take it seriously is that we still have um, 10 deaths a day in the U.S. alone from asthma or uncontrolled asthma attacks. So I always, you know, tell people, you know, um, you know, don't, oh, you shouldn't always take allergies lightly because many people, especially people who haven't experienced it, um, sometimes may think it's not Uh, as serious of a condition you know so definitely anything that affects your breathing uh, you should take seriously doctor this is the one question i have i have a three-year-old my daughter cheyenne she goes to preschool Mm -hmm. and it seems to me that uh, i've noticed all the preschoolers seem to have these this 
cough. It seems to be an inherited thing when they all gather, they all say, well, how can I share this cough? Uh, So that's just where it's very difficult as a parent nowadays, because you said something that was very striking to me, that it seems to me, and and correct me if I'm wrong, that the increase in the population base, our allergies are going up. Why is Mm -hmm. that? I think that is the real main question I, I look at. Why is, in our overall worldwide population, why is the allergies just ramping up so much and we have less of a, a, I guess, a resistance to it? Right. So um, that's an excellent point. And they are, in fact, going up. And there's many reasons behind it, um, one of which is uh, global warming and climate change, actually. So as our, you know, Earth's temperatures are rising, we also have more what we call carbon dioxide in the air. And this is what plants need to live. And as a result, we're actually producing these very super pollinator plants you know, that are pollinating for much longer. So our seasons are longer and they're producing like stronger pollen. So that's why every allergy season seems to be getting worse and worse. So that's, that's one reason. And then the other reason too, is just as a society, the way we've been living um, has made our immune systems more allergic. And what that means is in some ways we're too clean. Like we're no, no longer exposed to that good bacteria that um, used to protect us from developing allergies and asthma. Um, you know, now we over sanitize everything. You know, all the roads are now paved. We're not exposed to all the all the good dirt and the good bacteria. You know, so those are the two kind of main reasons um, that allergies are on the rise in general. Well, I also look at it. Allergies are weird in this way. You see, young children get allergies, but all of a sudden, when when I got into my forties. All of a sudden, I got allergies out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. My sister was just miserable right. her whole life, and I feel sorry for her. She's always she's like Sneezy of the Seven Dwarves. She's always sneezing. But <laughs> bottom line, with with my, with my sister, that was the norm. But for me, all of a sudden, I have these delay onset allergies. What is the rhythm with that? Because sometimes you outgrow them, sometimes you grow into them. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is perplexing to me. Right. Right, right. So, yeah, many people think it's just a childhood or a pediatric disease, but actually you can get allergies at any time in your life, especially the seasonal airborne allergens. You know, those can hit you at any time. So um, we do see that there's a lot of children that suffer with them, and then some are lucky to outgrow it. But actually there are more adults. Um, that have allergies and children do, you know, and, and people often think it's the opposite. And often, you know, the more time that you spend in the place, sadly, that makes you more likely to develop an allergy. So, you know, it might not be the first year you're living in Phoenix, but then around year five or year 10, that's when the allergies hit, you know. So it's the repeated exposure to something that sometimes what shifts your immune system to become allergic, you know. So it's actually very common that it would happen um, later than uh, later in life. You know, as a follow-up to that, when you talk about, uh, you know, repeated exposure to a, a particular area or, or, or whatever, one of the things that my wife and I had always tried uh, was bee pollen and, and as kind of a natural uh, way mm-hmm. of fighting the allergies. But basically the bee pollen, right, that that introduces those pollens to the body so they can create a, a natural resistance. So I just want to talk about that because so many times people will say, oh, I have allergies. You go to the doctor. Everybody's like, oh, here's some pills. Here's some shots. Here's some this. And, you know, not that not that those aren't helpful or important, but I always want to look at what is a holistic way of treating some of those allergies in a manner where we're not, you know, using pharmaceuticals right. to, to treat those. Mm-hmm. 
So the funny thing is one of the most uh, natural ways we have to um, treat or even cure allergies, make them less severe, um, is also actually one of the most effective. So I, I think you had mentioned earlier something called immunotherapy or, you know, kind of in lay terms, uh, desensitization. So we actually, rather than a medication, we use very, very dilute doses of what you're allergic to, like pollen, dust, mold, and, and give you those small increasing fixed dilute doses to actually then trick your immune system into becoming tolerant of the allergen. So you, you stop reacting to the allergen, you stop, um, you know, becoming as allergic. Some people are even get close to having zero symptoms. And as a result, you need far less medications, you know, not just for your allergies, but for your asthma as well. Um, and, and the interesting thing about bee pollen, um, so that actually is a little bit of a misconception because people um, often think that, okay, bee pollen contains those same pollens that you're allergic to and then you can kind of desensitize yourself that way but it's actually unfortunately not true um a lot of people do feel relief from from bee pollen and honey but a lot of it is more uh just the soothing effects of honey uh, and local honey it doesn't have to necessarily um be local because we found in studies that it actually doesn't do what uh you know people may think it does you know I'm it going doesn't to get my money back Lynn. the same way <laughs> immunotherapy does I'm, ta- I'm taking the pollen back i'm going i'm going back to the yeah. farm i'm getting my money back <laughs> yeah well, one thing that uh, doctor I, I i always try to do in and it's very difficult and maybe you have a pointer i, I don't know but uh, is pinpointing where your allergies stem from whether it be your diet whether it be i have horses I saw there's Bermuda grass mm-hmm. around. I'm sorry, Ryan. I know you've, you've got it under control now, but there's a <laughs> bunch of Bermuda grass and alfalfa so people can sneeze and have a reaction to that. Of course, I have dogs. I have cats. So there's pet dander everywhere. I, I mean, it sounds like I live in you know, a pig pen. I kind of do. But when you have all these critters, when you have all the natural elements, you have the desert bloom going on and you're suffering allergies, what are some, just, uh, some professional uh, pointers on how to pinpoint your allergies and reduce them to exposure. How can, how can you define it in the simplistic ways? I know that's a very broad-based question, but there's a lot of times that I know a lot of folks that they don't know what their allergy is, but they're sneezing and having a great difficulty. Is there any tricks? Right, right. So the, the best way and the most accurate way is basically to get tested. So, you know, I recommend that especially if you're having a lot of problems, you're not, one, if you're, especially if you're not sure if it's allergies or something else, and you notice it's getting worse, or even if it's not getting worse, uh, go see a board-certified allergist and immunologist. They can test you, um, and it's very helpful because then not only do you know what your triggers are, but you know what seasons to watch out for because different yeah. allergens are present either seasonally or year-round. You know, and then if let's say you do want to be desensitized or do the immunotherapy, uh, we need to know exactly what you're allergic to because it's a very targeted approach. So we desensitize you ba- uh, based on exactly what you're allergic to. So it's actually very helpful to find out because um, it can make a world of difference, you know, whether it's horses or cats or dust mites or pollen. Well, you know, you know? that's that's the one thing. A lot of folks don't know there's testing out there that yeah. can pinpoint. That's the real key. I, to be, I didn't know right. that until right now you can actually pinpoint it. I had no clue. I, I just, process of elimination has been my uh, way of doing it. And that's how I figured out what was my particular allergy, which is pollen, is what is is what my problem is, right? So the grass, you know, all that stuff. And and that's why actually I, I love living in Arizona because I know when the snowbirds leave, 
and it's 100 degrees <laughs> for three straight days in a row, my allergies are gone. Yeah. Yeah, the heat yeah. rises right? it just <laughs> as soon as, as soon as that, that heat rises, and I know it. I know that people probably that don't live in Phoenix, you know, don't understand. It does get extremely hot here, and and that heat actually helps me with my allergies. It keeps those at bay. Uh, and then again, as soon as September and October rolls around, and we get back into that fall weather, and things start blooming again, boom, there they are again. And then as soon as we get into December, January, and it gets a little colder, then they go away. And it's definitely those seasonal pollen things, specifically for me. But I had to go. Uh, to an allergist and they poked me with a bunch of stuff to figure out exactly what I was allergic to and it ended up being 100% a pollen problem and uh, I've been able to over time kind of address it but I noticed my daughter she has the same thing Lynn where she has the, the these kids at school and they keep sharing these cobs and these things or whatever and you know my daughter's not sick she's got allergies uh, and so we go and test her and she has an allergy uh, her her allergy is more to dust than it is to pollen on that side and so we have uh, a household now where I have to make sure that I have the most expansive best filtration system inside the house with the air filters that are you know <laughs> antimicrobial and all of that and, and that kind of leads me into my question with uh, you know some 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 tips uh, outside of going there, but how how can you keep your home free of some of those allergens? You know, I know people get filters and those type of things, but what else can somebody do to kind of keep their uh, keep their home in a manner where it helps to keep their allergies under control, but they're not you know overly uh, overly cleansing their home, right? Like you said earlier, uh, being too right, clean right. and not having those those uh, those beneficial bacteria exposures. Right. So again, this is another reason why it would be helpful to find out exactly what you're allergic to, because depending on the allergen, different things uh, can be helpful. So you mentioned an air purifier, which is actually very effective if you're allergic to mold or pet dander. But unfortunately, it doesn't do anything for dust mites or pollen. So that's another reason why it's important to know what your triggers are, because depending what your allergen is, um, then you can um, do the proper environmental controls within your home. So uh, HEPA air purifiers are very good for mold spores and for animal dander. But then uh, very small particle allergens like dust mites that can't be filtered by the air purifier. Um, actually, there are dust mite covers that zip around your mattress, box spring pillows. And those have been shown in many studies to be very effective of uh, you know, trapping the dust mites in there so that you're not breathing them in all night. They're not irritating your skin. Um, and, and that tends to work uh, best for that, you know. And then for things such for pollen, we always recommend during peak pollen seasons, keep your windows closed, especially in the early mornings when pollen counts are the highest. When you come home from outside, change your clothing, um, you know, rinse off your body or take a shower because you don't want to be tracking pollen um, into your home, especially into your bedroom. So the bedroom needs to be that place that's the most allergen free because that is the time and the place where people spend um, the most hours at once. Doctor, do you know how yeah. hard that is for people that live in air in Phoenix in the springtime? Because I mean, in the morning, I mean, in the morning, it's like 65 degrees. It's absolutely right, beautiful. I and I'm, compl- I have bad allergies. And the first thing I do is open the door. And go outside. I know, I know. 
Well, I, what, I mean, it's it's <laughs> tough. It, it, it's a trade-off, you know. It is beautiful out there, but it is a trade-off because that is when the pollen tends to come in the most, you know. And then on the same lines, like, you know, keep your rugs vacuum frequently and, you know, avoid carpet if you can, if you and your family uh, suffers from allergies a lot because carpet loves to trap all allergens in there. Oh, no. I'm going to have to get rid of the green shag carpet in the house. <laughs> that, was a, that, was the first, that was the first home upgrade my wife and I did when we bought our house is I gutted the carpet. Oh, yeah. That li- we lived in the house for a year. It was like, it was a brand, we bought a brand new house, right? So it's a brand new carpet. It's only a year old and I'm like, I'm taking this carpet out of here. <laughs> yeah, well, things can grow and dwell in it. Now we're talking about all the external infiltration of allergies. Let's talk about the internal and switching gears into diet. Um, like, for instance, my mother, she cannot eat blueberries now. She hit, uh, I think it was her early 70s, and all of a sudden, she, uh, she goes into a very, very bad uh, allergic reaction to blueberries. What are warning mm-hmm. signs uh, when you, like blueberries, for instance, out of the blue, you know, you're having a, you know, a lovely fruit dish, and all of a sudden, you're blowing up like a balloon. I, um, what are warning signs of uh, some of the dietary uh, aspects of allergies? Is there any, any ways, any warning signs uh, with certain foods and certain elements? Because uh, I, I did find out firsthand with my mother's experience that this could be uh, quite dangerous or even deadly. Right, right. So some of the most common um, symptoms of a very serious allergic reaction, almost all of them include some type of skin symptom. So whether it's itching or a rash or, you know, we consider swelling also a skin symptom. Mm -hmm. Um, And then usually the skin symptom can be there alone or can be accompanied by um, another symptom. So the skin plus uh, trouble breathing or skin plus vomiting or diarrhea or dizziness, you know, but, but 90% of, you know, serious food allergic reactions involve the skin. Um, and now it's interesting you brought up fruits because there's a whole nother entity um, with fruits that I want to mention because people often confuse it for a food allergy. It's something called oral allergy syndrome. So there are a lot of fruits that are in the same family as certain pollens. So people who are allergic to pollens um, can get itching in their mouth from fruits. Now, this is not uh, necessarily dangerous like the, you know, your classic peanut allergy or other like true food allergies. And you can actually eat those fruits when they're cooked because uh, it breaks down the protein. And it's, it's basically because those raw fruits have the same uh, DNA as pollen, you know. So it is important to kind of figure out wh- what you're allergic to and what type of allergy you have so you know uh, how seriously you need to take it if you need to carry an epinephrine device or what have you. Yeah, when, when you talk about those fruits that are kind of uh, similar to the pollen, is raspberry one of those that's very similar to pollen as well? So, yeah, typically raspberry um, is one of them, but the more common ones is like apples, peaches, cherries. Those cross-react a lot with tree pollen. Okay. And then a lot of the melons um, and uh, banana, kiwi, those can cross-react with a lot of the fall pollens or the ragweed pollen. Yeah, because my daughter, um, when she eats certain foods, and, and I, tr- I try to avoid them uh, 
but at the same time, I also keep reintroducing those foods to her as well, kind of trying to get her to, you know, maybe build a resistance to those. But as you know, raspberries is one of them. My daughter, she loves raspberries Mm -hmm. and she eats, starts to eat raspberries. And then all of a sudden her cheeks on both sides of her face start to kind of bring out this uh, red, I don't know, for lack of a descriptive term, like almost a varicose veiny looking, uh, you know, thing. And, and it, it, and it's a skin reaction to food that starts to happen. And so I know, I notice with certain foods that happens, like I can't let my daughter eat Cheetos because whatever is in Cheetos causes her skin and her cheeks to do this weird little, you know, uh, I don't know what the word is. Maybe you can tell me what that's called. Yeah. So, right. That, so that's actually a little bit different. So a, a lot of, especially kids, we notice they have like, you know, very sensitive skin. So there's a lot of foods and, and uh, even foods they're not allergic to that make their skin like flush or turn red. It happens a lot with like junk food, like Cheetos, spicy foods. Um, strawberries are a big culprit. culprit uh, so are raspberries. But that doesn't ne- necessarily constitute that it's an allergy. Um, and so, again, it's important if you do notice like flushing and these different symptoms that just to, to keep an eye on it. And if it's getting worse, then you should go see an allergist and be tested and be sure it's not an actual food allergy. But there's a lot of foods that actually cause skin symptoms in children. And, and a lot of it is just due kind of more to an irritation or a sensitivity rather than an allergy, if that makes sense. Now, should we be avoiding those foods altogether or should we still be? Well, I mean, obviously, we need to avoid junk food. That's just a, a logical component. We, <laughs> my wife and I try yeah. very, very hard to supply a whole food diet to our child. Um, there are some times, though, you know, you, you get to have a, a little spice of life and, treat. you know, have a little treat. Uh, but should we be avoiding those types of foods that cause those symptoms or should we be still slowly introducing them and, and allowing them to have those? Like, I don't want to, you know, take my daughter's raspberries away. Right, right. So, it de- again, it depends. And this is this is why I underscore the importance of having, you know, appropriate testing done by a specialist, because a lot of times it's hard to distinguish. Is this an allergy, uh, you know, related rash? Or is this a rash just from an irritation? Now, from the Cheetos, I can I can tell you that likely it's you know related just to the irritation, and you know Cheetos have so much other stuff in it, you know, and, and that you don't necessarily have to worry about. But if you notice that the the rash is getting worse, or it's like a persistent rash, and there's other symptoms associated, then for sure you should. Uh, stop and then ha- be tested and be sure uh, if it's an allergy or not. You know, a, a little mild irritation that kind of goes away on its own, I wouldn't necessarily worry about. But if it's getting worse or accompanied by other symptoms, it may be an actual allergy. And then, you know, the management is very different. Uh, doctor, uh, this is a, a quick question about the the blood type or, or taking blood for a blood screen for uh, food allergies in particular. Is that the best preventative mm-hmm. measure if you take your, your child to their pediatrician to get an allergy screen for their diet by blood-based uh, testing? Uh, would you recommend that? Because I know a lot of people do do a blood type type diet that goes with their exact blood type. That's very healthy and very good for you. I've read a lot of studies on that uh, on a personal level, and I've actually done that myself. But I was curious about that for preventative measures. Being one step ahead of this happening is is it as simple right. as a, is it as simple as a blood screen? No, no, yeah. So that's actually not recommended because oh, really? the problem is 
with any test, there can be uh, false positives, right? And especially in children, they're prone to getting, um, especially if they have other issues like eczema, they're prone to getting a lot of false positives in those blood allergy tests. Okay. And then you end up avoiding foods that they may not even be allergic to. And you're actually then doing a disservice to the child, you know? So gotcha. okay. if, if there's no symptoms um, and the, the child is otherwise healthy, we, we recommend introducing the foods. Um, because of that, uh, you know, issue with the false positive. Always trying to and stay one step ahead. General, that's that's kind of my theory yeah. on the question is just a game planning so you don't have to deal with the misery of the allergies, trying to work around it in so many ways. Right, right. No, so, yeah, for, especially for food, we, we discourage that only because, I, and I've had patients even come to me thinking they were allergic to a lot of things when in reality they were not, you know. So unless you're having an actual issue or symptoms, um, I wouldn't do the screening test because they're not they're not necessarily helpful uh, or and they could do the opposite. They could be hurtful. Yeah, and that, that's what our pediatrician told us uh, about Marley around the same subject with, you know, the flush cheeks mm-hmm. and some of those kind of things, because what happens is she's just getting flush cheeks. She's not having any other physical reactions or breathing problems or anything like that. And so uh, when we mm-hmm. when, when my wife and I had brought that up with our pediatrician, they said exactly the same thing. If there's no additional uh, ailments that are accompanying those, then there's probably no reason for screening. But just to keep an eye on mm-hmm. it and see if different foods as they're introduced uh, are causing that problem. And, and since then, my daughter now eats shrimp, mussels, oysters, all kinds of fish, and we haven't had any problems. And so uh, she eats peanut butter, so I know okay. she doesn't have the allergy. And mm-hmm. so, so yeah, we just keep introducing new things. And every day, Len, it's crazy, and I'm sure you're, you're going through this with your daughter too. Like every day, we try something new. It is just amazing. To I'm like, I'm like, oh, you like broccoli? That's fantastic. <laughs> Cheyenne's the same right. way. I, I cannot she, believe she likes cauliflower and broccoli. Yeah, I mean, she I likes was, Brussels I was, sprouts. I was the junk food king <laughs> myself. So the fact she's doing this is miraculous. <laughs> Dr. Purvi Parikh, thank you so much for joining us on Finding Your Frequency today. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Like, are you blogging or, or where can they find out more about uh, your work and the things that you're doing? All right. So um, I'm, at, I'm a spokesperson for a patient advocacy group called the Allergy Asthma Network. Um, and their website has a lot of great information uh, for patients and their families uh, and it, it, great educational tools and resources. And, and that website is... Um, www.allergyasthmanetwork.org um, and so that's a great way to just get more information. Um, I personally practice and see patients in New York City um, and, and our, our practice website is allergyasthmanyc.com and we have some good information out, out there too for patients. So we, we do try to blog and you know, keep people informed of all the newest uh, developments in the field. Well, Dr. Parikh, we really appreciate you coming on Finding a Frequency and uh, sharing your knowledge with us around these. And I, I think we've learned a lot today, Lynn. Oh, without a doubt. I, as I said, just the strategy and what to look for is so important. So I definitely uh, appreciate your time uh, today. And as I said, uh, there's uh, there's not enough education. You always can get more and more and more. And I know we're always discovering new things in the medical world. So, Doctor, thank you so much. 
Ladies and gentlemen, go check out allergyasthmanetwork.org and find out more. Again, that's allergyasthmanetwork.org. Dr. Parikh, uh, we appreciate you being on. Guys, if you're listening to this on your your mobile device or anywhere, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can get it every time. We're releasing multiple episodes a week. And then, of course, uh, you can always tune in on voiceamerica.com or your favorite podcast channel. We're on all of them. We'll be back with some more fantastic interviews right here on Finding Your Frequency with VoiceAmerica.com, the leader in live internet talk radio.